Welcome to the Power Your Life radio show with host and success doc, Joanne White. Author, speaker, certified coach, and energy master, Doc White gets to the heart of what matters most. She features guests and experts to help you consciously create more success, health, and wellness in every area of your life, work, and relationships. They'll share their success stories, wisdom, and know-how to help you shine more light onto your day and into your life. Power your life right now. Here's Joanne White. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us. I'm Joanne White, and we're on the Power Your Life radio show. Speaking of powering your life, oftentimes, or I should say many times, we are faced with challenges, and I don't know that there's anyone on this planet who hasn't gone through some kind of challenge or adversity in his or her life. Sometimes those adversities, those challenges, those times when we don't feel that we're ever going to get past it or move through it have a way of helping us move forward, making us stronger, and creating opportunities that we never even thought of beforehand. And and we're going to talk to a very special guest today who did just that, and I'm talking about Stephen or Steve Brown, who is a three-sport athlete. He's made his way to Cabrini University on a soccer scholarship where he earned many honors, including team captain and the most valuable player recognition. After several years of playing high-caliber soccer post-college, Steve traded in his soccer shoes and turned his passion to multi-sport racing, and he's never looked back. Since then, Steve has participated in countless triathlons and multi-sport events of all distances while racing for many philanthropop, yeah, Joanne, say it, (laughs) causes. In February of 2006, he was diagnosed with a chronic form of leukemia. Steve underwent chemotherapy treatments while he was still maintaining his fitness level and often running home from his treatments to do that. He quickly reached remission and returned to racing and has aligned himself with such organizations as the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society where he leverages his own cancer experience to help other patients. Steve is an accomplished writer whose work has been featured regularly in Philly Fit Magazine, healthfitnessbroadcast.com, Philly Health Watch, transitiontimes.com, and more. And he's a former blog writer for Philadelphia Fox 29. Steve is currently also a contributing writer to Movement Sports Magazine and has this wonderful book that I've been reading called Relentless Metal. Hello, Steve Brown. How are you? I am wonderful. Thanks. Thanks for having me, and okay. thanks for that, for that warm introduction. Thank you. Philanthropic. <laughs> Philanthropic, you got it. Yes. How to get that right. <laughs> so a little bit about you. You, you. you exude enthusiasm in terms of everything that I've looked at and read about you and have really had some major challenges, and oftentimes people would consider them setbacks, but you've turned around. So would you share a little bit of your story with our listeners, Steve? Absolutely. I'd be happy to, Joanne. So 
Yeah, you you know you mentioned in my my little intro and bio there that I have always been an athlete. Grew up an athlete. Went to college on a soccer scholarship. Continued to play soccer. Got into running and multi-sport racing and triathlons and, and marathoning and all that fun stuff um, after college. After I had settled down and gotten married, and you know I had had built up quite a uh, an extensive racing resume and, and experiences across all kinds of different events and then was hit with a leukemia diagnosis that came completely out of left field and of course being you know a fit athlete my entire life I, I, I took the position that surely this doctor can't be talking about me he must have the wrong chart he must have the wrong diagnosis or, or something along those lines and that's where we landed with a, a diagnosis of chronic lymphocytic leukemia Tell us a little bit about what that is. I mean, I know a little yeah. bit about, yeah, I think everybody knows a little bit about cancer and, and, and has heard a lot about leukemia, but the facts yep. are not something yep. that we understand. So leukemia, um, blood cancer, right? Blood cancers are commonly divided amongst leukemias and lymphomas. And my particular, we'll call it brand or strain or whatever you want to call it, Chronic lymphocytic leukemia, basically what happens there is one of the components, one of the genetic makeup components of my, of my white cell count is, consists of the lymphocyte cell. And in my case, in, in patients' cases like, like mine, that lymphocyte cell overproduces at a rapid and dangerous rate to the point where it's just throwing out kind of mutant, underdeveloped lymphocyte cells that then ultimately get in the way of your of all of your blood work. It, it, it clogs up your good white cells. It then gets in the way of your platelets, your red cells, ultimately your immune system, and then can have an overall impact on, on your or, or other organs and can start to, you know, kind of break things down in that respect. So it's, it's a very common form, um, but it, it can be potentially dangerous, and, and it can also be it, – it's one of the – it's a little scary in that – Doctors often don't want to treat too quickly. They'll take a, a, watch, a watch and wait or a wait and watch approach. They'll want to monitor it and look for symptoms to be at kind of just the right striking point to, go, to want to go ahead and treat it. And it's usually with several different options of some conventional chemotherapy treatment that is the, the remedy for this. Now, speaking of sim- symptoms, did you have symptoms that you were experiencing beforehand? Were you feeling different before, before the diagnosis, or what was going on that within you that that led you to to get you know to seek out medical attention? So that's a loaded question, and and I'll I'll <laughs> answer it by saying, given my lifestyle, right. Even at the time when I was diagnosed as a as a marathoner and someone who was participating in Ironman triathlons, I'm used to being tired. I'm used to long training days. I'm used to difficult races. So what I was typically, I guess, should have been experiencing as a result of this disease is extreme fatigue. And I think I think that kind of masked itself through my lifestyle. And I I really didn't understand that what I was experiencing was anything other than typical. You know, I'm having a I'm having a long, hot, hard training day, and I need to take a rest. So, the the symptoms were a little silent in that respect, 
and then in hindsight, I did have, um, I had a, a white count and an overall blood count that was starting to go awry that I hadn't tested in a little while. So keynote to listeners, make sure you're drawing regular blood work. Uh, and, and you have a good handle on what what those results are, and, and for any you know flags or indicators. And also, th- thank you for that. And also for our listeners, if you're feeling fatigue or feeling different, whether you're an athlete or not, it may be some kind of indication that there's something going awry. And and get a check. It's always important to to see what's what's going on within you. So when Absolutely. did you decide to write this book? Relentless metal. Give, give 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 our listeners a little bit of that background too, yeah. and then we'll build so, a little bit in all of what you do. Go ahead. So that book is actually the second edition or the the second chapter of this leukemia journey for me. When I was first diagnosed back in 2006, I decided one of the best ways for me to kind of provide a therapeutic release was to was to start blogging and just just journaling a lot of the things that I was going through in terms of you know as an athlete as a patient as a just thoughts and really they were just blog entries that um, you know friends and relatives could go could go back and, and look at on my website and say oh well here's how Steve's doing with this treatment and that and over time over the course of a couple of years that kind of turned into a, a chronicle of what that initial journey was like. So I published that book back in 2006, and then being a, being a chronic form of leukemia, a whole lot of leukemia life has happened from 2006 until now. So Relentless Metal is really the continuation of, you know, what happened in the very beginning, all through my initial treatment, all through the follow-up treatments, and then there have been some some relapses and some cause for additional treatment over the last many years. So that book kind of brings everyone up through full cycle to to the most recent rounds of treatment that I've been through. And we'll talk about that book a little bit more because I find it fascinating. And as we spoke before the show, you also have family input in the book, which is always important because oftentimes – you don't go it alone. Whatever is going on, your family, your your significant other, your wife, your husband, whatever, are affected by by what's going on with it within the individual. So that's important. Now, you're you're this wonderful athlete. You get this diagnosis. I don't know what? if I'm a wonderful athlete. I'm a, I'm a, uh, I'm, let me say <laughs> that. <laughs> I'm allowed to say that. Okay, it's your show. <laughs> Well, you you know, you you were getting all this recognition, so obviously there was some some someone other than me saw something very important in your in your athletic ability. Okay, let's put it that way. So you you got this diagnosis, which is really scary in the beginning because like you said you thought it was just being overworked or running to, you know, whatever it was that was related to your lifestyle and to your your Sports, and so what was the sh- what was the reaction? What was the shot? What was the reaction? Your reaction, and also your family's reaction. Well, my initial reaction was this: this just isn't right. You know, we we assumed, and actually, to back up a little bit further, you know, when, when 
over the course of time, when when the, when the fatigue started to become a little more a little more evident, um, I, I was having I, I developed a, a difficulty swallowing, and it started with food and then liquids and then just swallowing anything at all. So it was it was chasing down those symptoms that ultimately led me to the diagnosis that that I that I landed with. So. You know, I was seeing an ear, nose, and throat specialist thinking I was having some kind of difficulty swallowing that was maybe tonsil-related or infection-related or whatever it might be. And I was actually scheduled to have my, my tonsils removed back then when we were first looking at these, at these uh, symptoms. And it was, that, it was that pre-admission blood work for the scheduled tonsillectomy that revealed the white count that threw all the red flags. So, of course, I'm thinking hold on, the whole medical community is, is, is wrong. <laughs> the blood tests are wrong. The doctor is not looking at this the right way. Something's going on. And, you know, it wasn't until I went through additional, additional blood work and a CAT scan and a PET scan and a bone marrow biopsy and x-rays and, you know, everything that came back, slam dunk, no questions that this is a, this is a leukemia diagnosis. So it took me it took me a little bit of time to wrap my head around it. I didn't think I was capable of being, I say, that sick. I didn't think I was capable of, you know, having a, a, a cancer diagnosis. But then I also kind of rationalized that I'm relatively, I was, I still am, I guess, relatively young in the grand scheme of things and extremely fit and extremely healthy. So let's flip the tables and let's use that to my benefit and, kind of fight through it, power through it, be, be stronger than the cancer. And that is the message I tried to send to the family because obviously we had high school age daughters at the time. Delivering that message was, that was one of my darkest days. Like I, I never wanted to, you never want to have that conversation to explain to your daughters who look up to you that, you know, the, the Ironman marathon running fitness guru father that they look up to so much is has been stricken with something like this. So I just tried to make it as positive, as upbeat, and as, you know, forward thinking as I possibly could. Right. I want to interject something that you said that I think is important for our listeners. Oftentimes when we are we have a diagnosis and like you, we, we kind of don't believe it. Our first response can be denial, like this no, this isn't true. No like you like you said the doctors are wrong, they what they don't know what they're talking about. So I think it's important to when when we're going through something like that to really thoroughly investigate and not just slough it off like, Okay, everybody's wrong, I'm great you know, because it's important. It's important for your life, your health, as well as, as the people who care about you. So your wife, what did she go through at the time? So my wife is a nurse. Um, so she had the bittersweet honor, responsibility, pleasure, task, whatever you want to call it, of having to process this on a clinical level because she understood it medically. But yet, right. it, it, it's her loved one that that she's dealing with this, and I think, I think that became a little bit difficult. Like she, she, she it's easy to be my, it's easy to be my husband, and as a as a nurse clinician, if you detach the relationship, it, it's easy to manage the disease. But but managing it together, I think, was a little bit of a challenge for her. And and you know, she did an extremely great job and was with me every step of the way and. Help me ask all the right questions of the doctor. 
came to every chemo appointment. She came to every doctor's appointment. She came to, you know, she, she, she not only did her due diligence as a, as a nurse, but she was the ultimate um, partner throughout all of this and remains that way. Which is wonderful. And, again, another, an, another alert for people who are going through challenges. You, you may need an advocate, somebody who, and it, it may not be like you're, you were lucky, you, your wife had a medical background, but somebody in your family may not have that kind of information. And you may need someone to help you configure the right questions or ask the right questions, get the right information that you need, whatever it is that you're going through. So I think that's important. And she did a great job. She did, and and I think she's the rare exception in being able to have all of those qualities. But sometimes... You're right. I think everybody needs somebody, even if they don't know, even if as a patient, I don't know what I need, I probably need somebody. And sometimes that person, because, you know, you get people all the time asking, you know, I'm so sorry, what can I do? How can I help? And sometimes it's just, can you sit here and just be with me? You don't have to say anything. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to get me anything. You don't have to just, just, just be, just let me know that you're here and let me know that if, if, I, if I need anything, I, I can reach out. And sometimes just having that connection with a, you know, a close personal, either a loved one or, or a friend or colleague or wh- whoever it might be, just having that person in your foxhole is very helpful. Yeah, I, and I totally agree. It, you get that support, even if they're not saying anything. And it's a feeling of I'm not I'm not alone. I'm, there's somebody That's here. Right. And sometimes when when we're going through something difficult, we may not process the information because we're we're already emotionally so engaged in what the doctor is saying or what the outcome may be or whatever. So having another person oh, yeah. there who just listen and and support us is is beautiful. However, I was also talking about you may people may need an a medical advocate, somebody who knows the right questions and who can help you in that regard and just help people negotiate that whole medical process that oftentimes for so many individuals can be so so overwhelming and they don't know what to do or even what kind of questions to ask where they get so bottled up inside they don't you know they they just listen i know my mother went through something and she was just yes doctor yes doctor and i was there oh, so yeah, she, yeah. <laughs> But she wasn't really understanding what the doctor was saying. So like you said, having someone who can be there with you is, is really very, very important. Now, my, what I my love wife and I, Go ahead. I'm sorry, I was just going to say, my, there have been appointments where my wife and I were at the exact same appointment, heard the exact same thing from the doctor, and when we'd kind of debrief leaving the appointment, she'd make a comment and I'd look at her like, wait, did he say that? And, and so you're right. Having the extra set of ears, I might be focusing on something completely different as he's talking and just, just to have a, that extra objective listener to help you put the pieces together is really important. And another thing I'm going to add, because like with my mother, I mean, you have to, if you don't understand the doctor is giving, the doctor has, is very busy, has a limited amount of time, blah, 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 blah. But if you don't understand the information, make sure you get it. Make sure you 
ask the questions, get somebody else to ask the questions, figure it out, make sure that the doctor gives you what you need because that's important too. Oftentimes we hold with our professionals in, in high esteem and think that they are higher than thou, and they're not. They're people too, and they're here to serve. We're here to serve others. So I think that, that's yes, really important. You're absolutely right. And, and I think that's a generational issue too. You know, you spoke of your mom. I think with their generation in particular, you know, the the doctor is the, you know, they're they're the be all end all experts, and you don't you don't dare question. What I think, the smarter we get as patients, and the more knowledge we have as consumers, you know, medical consumers, we we're now we now know that it's okay to ask why right, of doctors, and okay to ask for alternatives and referrals and third and fourth opinions and so on and so forth. Good. Yes, I think that's important. So I have so many questions. <laughs> you you have this diagnosis. You're, you still, how did you manage to continue doing what you needed to do with, with, in terms of, of racing and sports? How did, how did, how are you able both mentally and physically and even emotionally taking that diagnosis and what was going on at the time in terms of the the symptoms and be able to shift that to some not that you know not that that changed to some extent but to mm-hmm. shift that so that you could do everything that you're doing now I think part of it was for purely selfish reasons um, <laughs> that was what I love to do you know, that was my lifestyle. And, and I think I became a little bullheaded in saying, all right, I may have a diagnosis, but you're not taking this away from me. I'm going to continue to do what I love to do, even if it's at a, at a much, you know, modified, watered down pace or, or, or volume of, of working out or training for a little while while I get through this. I'm, I'm not going to completely let go of the rope. Like I'm going to I'm going to hang on and I'm going to keep doing what I love to do because I think physically that will help me stay one step ahead of some of the side effects from, from chemo. Emotionally, it made me feel in charge. It made me feel like I had um, kind of taken control back in what people usually view as an, as an uncontrollable situation. But I think one of the more important parts in all this was I used that as a way to send a signal to my family that I, I must be okay if I'm continuing to do what I want to do. And if I'm running home from chemo, then I wanted people to look at me and say, that, that's fine. He's good. He's got this beat. You know, he's, look what he's doing. He's, he's you know, given the proverbial whatever to, to cancer, and he's taking his own life back and, and controlling things on his terms. And that's, and that's kind of the perspective that I, that I took then and that I took through subsequent tre- treatments and that I, that I still hold today. So, you know, you t- entitled this, not necessarily the book, but, but what you're speaking about, Living Above Chronic Cancer. What does that mean exactly? Right. So, you know, we, we know what chronic means, right? It's, it's kind of a recurring, never-ending um, in my case, it, it's an incurable situation. And usually people talk about living with that, right? You live with a disease of the, of chronic, that's chronic in nature, or you live with something. Well, I prefer to think I'm not living with it, but I'm living head over heels above it. I'm living, 
stories above it. Like I, I know it's there, but it's so far beneath me in my in my daily, my daily living and thinking and and, and what I do and, and how I react and respond and that it's just it's just there. It's not controlling me, and I'm living I'm living above it and not just with it. And you know, I think that's so important because many people have challenging diseases or or conditions or whatever that they live with and Mm -hmm. you don't have a choice sometimes to just live with it but the way to see it as you know you're living above it you're you you have it but but you're more than handling it you're you're in charge to some extent which to me is really very positive and very powerful so how do you do that (laughs) How do you not lie. think about it? I, I have my moments, you know, and I, I mean, my my wife has heard me speak on this subject before, and 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 I even got some feedback at a talk that I recently did. Somebody came up to me afterwards and said, "Well, it sounded like you, you really had an easy time of it." <laughs> it's because in my mind, that's kind of what I remember, you know. I remember the fact that I felt strong enough to run home from chemo, and I remember that. It, you know, the, the the next day I felt in control and I felt like I was beating it and winning. And but, I, you know, truth, there's some really really crappy days associated with this. And there's days of doubt, and there's days of symptoms, and there's days of um, fatigue. And I don't feel like dealing with this anymore. But the the important thing that I think that keeps me getting back up again is the fact that I know it's all cyclical. Like I. You have to expect that you're going to have an occasional bad day, right? We're we're imperfect beings living in an imperfect world with surrounded by other imperfect beings. So things are going to go wrong. There's going to be disease. There's going to be there's going to be stuff. But it's all cyclical. Right? Everything is completely fluid at all times. There's there's nothing that's static. So so you're going to you're going to move through whatever it is that you're experiencing. So if it's a really bad day, that day is going to end. I mean, you can only hope that tomorrow is going to be a better day, and chances are it will be as long as you allow yourself to have the bad moment, look ahead, think positively, know that you have the ability to rebound, and then just move on to the next to the next chapter, the next day, the next hour, whatever it might be. Just get through the immediate point of of ugly, whatever that is. Right. You know, and, and it's so important because you have the resilience and, and the mindset and the attitude that's so important to move beyond it. And yeah, we have days. I have, I don't have what you have, but I've had been in pain for probably more than half of my life with a, with some injuries that I had. And you just, like you said, there are some days that are more difficult, but it doesn't stop us. It doesn't stop us from doing what we love to do, from whatever you know. And that's important. And that's part, you know, that's such a powerful message that you convey to so many people who may be struggling, maybe not necessarily with chronic leukemia, but with something else in their life. It, it gives them hope that, yeah, look at what he's going through. I can get, the, I can get through this too. I can, you know, I can live above whatever that condition is. Why did you call okay. your book Relentless Metal? Well, relentless is a term that um, I find myself seeing a lot of in the cancer community, uh, either via a hashtag or some organizations use it as a tag. Um, I, I just, 
the concept of being relentless in pursuit of anything, whether it be health, whether it be sports, whether it be the finish line, whatever that might be. I just think that that word relentless has, has really rung true with me through the decades. Um, and, and I think metal, you know, metal as in intestinal fortitude, as in what's, what's underneath, what's within. I just think that that told the perfect story of what's required to, to get through it and whatever your it is. You know, for me, it's a combination of leukemia and endurance sports racing, but everybody's got an it that they need to at some point be, be relentless and to rely on their metal to be able to get through. And you're right, and it's, it's so very important. Now, what fascinated me, and we talked about this briefly before the show, about your book is also that you had input from your family. There's a chapter from your wife, your daughters. So tell, us, tell our listeners a little bit more about the book and about their input into it as, as well as yours, Steve. Yeah, so the, their their input actually came. It was it was almost an eleventh hour idea of mine. You know, the book itself chronicled, every, as I mentioned, everything from the very beginning, initial diagnosis through everything that I had been through. So, and those various chapters, they might be they might be specific chapters of what I went through in that particular day of chemo. They might be chapters related to whatever I experienced at a doctor's appointment that day or something, things that were meaningful throughout the journey. And some of it is, is endurance sports related, you know, because it's all, it's all tied together. And then I thought, look, my kids and my wife have been with me through this entire journey. They've heard me talk about it. I know they talk about it. I would love for other people to hear kind of firsthand from them and just insert their own, give them a voice and insert that into the book and have them um, have the opportunity to be able to say, and you know, it's the chapters are for my wife, it's just called through her eyes. And and for my daughters, it's called through their eyes where they're, they're able to say, and I said, no rules, go have at it. Like you tell me what my cancer diagnosis meant for you. Um, and then I just let them run with it. And I was pretty touched with what came back. It was pretty special for me. So can you share a little bit of that with our listeners? Yeah, I mean, with, with I think all three of but them. all of it, because we want them to get the book. <laughs> sure, yeah. But I think all three of them were very honest in their, in their fear. So he, here's what it boils down to. They all, they all seem to take their lead from, from me. Right? And by, by that, I mean, they all express their initial period of fear and uncertainty and un- unknown and disbelief. And like, I can't believe that my dad's going through this. And um, to my dad's a stinking rock star. Look what he's doing. And I'm not, not that, that's not, I didn't want their opinion to get, you know, glowing <laughs> compliments. But, right. but the message that they put out there was, yeah, we were scared. Yeah, he was scared, but he took control when we were by his side 100% of the way, which was extremely important throughout the process. And this is where we are today. And we're a tight family unit and extremely proud of, of each other and all of our accomplishments. And I just think the way they told the things that they told were, were pretty special. 
And I, you know, I, when I when I was reading those chapters, I was very moved by that too, because oftentimes we don't hear from the family members as to what they're going through. And like we both That's talked true. about earlier, it's a family it's experience. True. Your your dad, your 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 husband or wife is going through something, and and you have responses. You have an emotional response, a physical, you know, all of it. And so I really love that that you included their input into the book. I think it 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 adds to to the power of the book too, and and how it's it's important for not just the person who's going through those challenges, but but a read for a whole family, so that they recognize and can be a part of it in in an important way. So right, right. You, Going through this, you're still doing all the wonderful things in addition to really serving other people, helping other people, these lymphoma societies, leukemia society, you know, what really getting the message out and, and really helping other people. What's the message that you have for for people who are living with some kind of chronic disease or chronic cancer? How did you go through it? What do you, what, what do you want to tell our listeners about this? I, I think there are, there are two key messages. And, and first and foremost is um, you're not alone, right? You're not alone in both being a patient with a diagnosis because there, there is an entire world out there who is diagnosed with something. So you're certainly not alone in that respect, but you're not alone in going through it. And, and I think People, when they get initial news, they're they're you know they're frozen. They're they're a deer in headlights, and they don't know how to react, and they don't know what to do, and they're just overwhelmed with how can this happen to me? And this is the end of everything. And I, I and people that I talk to, you know, I I try to make sure they know this is not the end, right? This this could potentially open up a new chapter with potential changes, with lifestyle changes, and things might be different. Or they might not be different, you know what I mean? So I, I just try to, I just try to paint the picture that you can't give up just because you've been given some bad news. We we need to we need to take some inventories and we need to figure out, okay, what what does this really mean? Um, what am I able to do? What am I not able to do? Who do I need to talk to? What are my points of mental pain and, and emotional anguish, and how do I resolve those? And who who can I talk to to help get me over? through a bad day or over a rough patch or whatever it might be. So, you know, just, just not being alone and, and not having it be the end of life as you know it are, are the two key points. It's, you know, oftentimes people going through cancer talk about a new normal. Okay, so right. how did it change your life in, in terms of right after the diagnosis and, and experiencing the fatigue and, and all the way up to, to, to now? I, I think it gave me a greater sense of the here and now. I mean, I, I've always been, I, I, I can't say, oh, well, I was diagnosed with cancer and then all of a sudden I started using endurance sports racing to try to make a difference because I feel like I've always done that. Or I won't say now all of a sudden I have a positive outlook on life because I, I think I've always had that. So the the key drivers in my life today I don't think were triggered by my cancer diagnosis. I think what was what what my diagnosis did trigger was my overall sense of 
being in the moment and being in the, in the here and now and, and just consciously being where my feet are and, and understanding that, okay, this, this right now might stink, but um, I'm optimistic that the next moment, the next day, the next whatever it might be ha- has potential to be better. And so I've, un- I've learned to understand life's cycle a little bit better of ups and downs and knowing how to rebound and recover and kind of weave your way through things in a fluid manner. Which I think is so important and also living in the moment because oftentimes we take for granted this moment and yet when you're going through something like you did and your family did, each moment becomes very, very different, very, very important, very, very special. And and I think right. that if we all that outlook, that would also be be very wonderful. So what I find also wonderful is is the way that you chose, because you could have not gone out and helped other people or whatever, but you chose to really share your message and, and make a difference in others' lives. Why did you do that? It's part of the not wanting people to feel alone message. Um, but I feel like it's also part of my DNA. Like I, I, I'm a, I, I'm a service provider by nature. I like to feel like I'm making someone else's life a little bit better somehow, some way. I like, I like helping people and what better way to help people than those that are faced with, you know, extreme angst or, or uncertainty or, or fear and obviously I can't, I can't partner with a new patient and say, let me tell you exactly how your journey is going to go, right? Because I have all the information you need. It's, it's not about that, but it's about, look, let me, tell you, let me tell you what I went through and let me tell you what some of my fears were and let me tell you some of the things that I did to help me get through some of that. And let me just be here for, for you in any way that you need. And if you never want to talk to me again, that's okay. And if you want to talk to me every day while you're going through what you're going through, that's okay. And if we come best friends, that's good too. So, you know, just putting myself out there as a resource for what, however that ends up getting used by whoever needs it. So how did you get through it? How did you cope? How did you handle, the, you know, the, the situation on a day-to-day basis? I know you said that each day. Day was different, yeah, I, and you look forward to another day without whatever. But but tell our listeners because I think it's important to hear it from you. I, I think once I once I got going and had some of my own momentum, I think it became it became easier because I, it, it was it was a it was a snowball of rolling optimism, right? And and it it just got the the further down the hill I got, the bigger and stronger and more in control I felt. But I, but I think what really helped push me over that cliff in terms of you know being positive and trying to stay on track is the the triathlon community was so supportive because here you know the triathlon community here in the in the philadelphia tri-state area is is pretty tight you know a lot of people know a lot of people and i had all kinds of friends and peers that i raced with and and they knew me as the athlete and and then once i was diagnosed it became wait, hold on, Steve Brown, the athlete, is facing this leukemia diagnosis. And I think it was them rallying behind me on, on a lot of levels. You know, I, can, I could tell you some stories of some people who were just really, really, really helpful and in my corner. I think that 
gave me the strength to con- continue on as a, as an athlete. And then, and then once I had that, you know, building up within me, then I, then I felt I could take control. You know, I, and I think that's wonderful, again, that you had that, that kind of support because not everybody has that as well. I could talk to you with you forever. <laughs> I think it's. I think your <laughs> message is important. I think your book is very important. So tell our listeners, Steve, how they could get a hold of the book, how they could contact you and find out more about you and about living above chronic cancer. My website is www.remissionman.com, remission as in in remission with my chronic disease, and, and man, it's like a play on Iron Man, so remissionman.com. And that's pretty much one-stop shopping for all of my social media channels, links to my book, and the, the, book, the books are available through all of the, the major distribution channels, be it Amazon or wherever you, wherever you shop in in digital or print copy. Um, all that is available there. My contact information is available there. Feel free to come join me, connect with me on Facebook or Twitter or LinkedIn or anywhere you'd like to connect. Um, and I'd be more than happy to you know, help anyone out there in the area that just wants to connect for the, for, the, for the greater good. Wonderful. Steve, you are a wonderful resource for people and also a a model, a role model. Not that you're perfect. We're not perfect, right, (laughs) all of us. And And yet it's important to recognize that when we're going through a challenge, a disease or whatever, one thing that you said is really important, that we're not alone. And the other is that we can reach inside and figure out what we need to do like you did and your family did to get through it and to really live above it and and be in control and in charge as as much as we possibly can so thank you so much for all that you do and for all that you You're are very welcome. and i wish no thanks needed <laughs> <laughs> i wish you and your family very well and thanks so much Thanks for having me, Joanne. I appreciate it. My pleasure, Steve. Take care. So remember what Steve said. You, we all go through challenges. We all, maybe you don't have a diagnosis of cancer. Maybe you don't have something else. But, but there are challenges that we face. And you do need to take a look at each moment recognize the importance of each moment, recognize the importance of your ability, your power, your wherewithal, your resilience, whatever it is, your strength to be able to move through it, move past it, find the solutions, find what you need so that you can live and be in a, in a better place and really empower yourself and empower your life. If you want to get a hold of me, you can go to my website, docdocwhite.org. Find me on social media. On the website, you'll have all different free um, articles and information about upcoming shows, including my TV show that's on hiatus a little bit now. And remember that you have the ability and the wherewithal to get through whatever it is you need to reach inside Find the strength, find the endurance, find what you need to to connect to 
the powerful you that you really are. Thanks so much for joining us. Next week we have Dr. Jacob Lieberman on June 27th. And if you missed any part of today's show, really you need to hear Steve Brown and his message. You can go to Blog Talk. You can go to my website. You can find more about Steve Brown and how he has had, he and his family, because he's not alone, and how they have gone through this experience and come out powerfully on the other side. Thanks so much for joining us. Have a blessed day wherever you are. You've been listening to the Power Your Life radio show with host and author, Dr. Joanne White. Listen often and spread the word about the upbeat show to enrich you and grow your life in the direction you desire. Listen again and again and visit DocWhite.org for more information and find out how Dr. Joanne can benefit you. Thank you for sharing your day with us and stay tuned for more exciting guests and events to come.